Hey guys, we're here with Roberto in, from Montreal with uh, Check Please. Um, we ran each other at uh, the, the Food Expo, right? Which one is that? The RC Show? That's right, RC Show. Yeah, we met. Uh, we're working on some similar technologies. Um, we're working with one of our clients, uh, Tap Menu. And uh, you were there with, uh, with your booth for Check Please. And uh, we, had, we had a great time catching up and touching base about you know, how the two different similar technologies are coming up out of uh, very similar markets, but out of Montreal and Toronto. And we're talking about the tech scene, Montreal versus Toronto. And uh, amid all this stuff with uh, COVID-19 going on, the pandemic, uh, I thought it'd be great to reach out to you to see how uh, things are changed in the city, how has how is tech evolved. Um, I know the marketplace has changed, especially with uh, rest, a lot of restaurants now starting to stay open and figure things out. So I really want to take this time to talk a bit more about that and what you guys are dealing with. Oh, perfect. And I really appreciate it, Ravi, uh, for reaching out. You know, I, I think we're all going through a really interesting time. This is something that uh, most startups have, have never had to deal with before. So, uh, you know, we have to be really nimble and, and try to adapt to the changing climate and environment. Um, so uh, it's, it's a good time. I think there's a lot to talk about. Um, look, I'll give you my opinion on it and, and how we're dealing with the situation. And hopefully, um, yeah, hopefully we can, we, can, we can help the world through, uh, through this next hour, 45 minutes. <laughs> Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, <clears throat> like uh, helping the world, I think that comes down to it, right? But how do we help around the world if we can't help ourselves and we can't function with this? I think a lot of people are still doing, trying to figure out still how to work from home, how to work with their, their friends, sorry, with their, with, the with their colleagues, especially for entrepreneurs whose uh, you know, co-workers are friends, who are what they see every day and have been in the trenches with. Now you don't see people as much anymore because you're in quarantine or at home, right? Um, how's that with you? How's your co-founders and uh, your co-founders looking like? Yeah, I mean, um, so yeah, so look for us, it's been um, it's been a bit of an adjustment. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I think I think I think it's the same as everybody else. You know, once you get into that. Uh, in, into that back and forth and you, and you, you start to create a good vibe between your team, uh, being able mm -hmm. to see each other every day is, um, is really, really helpful. So, I mean, you know, we had to, we had to adjust, um, to, to be honest, it's not too bad. Uh, we, we, we make sure we meet all the time. Zoom has been really helpful with that. Um, and we just make sure we have enough face time and that we put in enough processes in place that we're continuing to reach our milestones and our goals and, and we continue, um, you know, progressing. Cause I think that's, what's more important than anything else right now is, is not to stay stagnant, not to, uh, you know, get too trumped up on, on everything that's going on in the world. Um, you know, you still have, you still have tasks that need to get accomplished. There's still people to help. The reason you started your startup, uh, still exists. So, um, I think, I think for us, it was just about how do we, how do we make sure we keep those channels of communication open, that everything's still clear, um, that, uh, you know, cause I, I think that's one of the big parts, right. Is, you know, if, if you don't, if you don't establish how you're going to communicate right from the beginning, you know, yeah. from moving from an in-office situation to working from home, you know, you have to, uh, it's going to get complicated. It's going to get confusing and teams are going to start doing their own thing. So we tried to establish that right from the beginning um, and set up the, you know, how we wanted to deal with this, uh, you know, from day one. So 
for us, what we do uh, is try to do daily, uh, you know, calls between the team, kind of like a stand-up meeting, but we make it quick. Uh, and uh, you know, we have our we have our tools. We use Microsoft Teams, and we have our channels in that. And we make sure we continue. And then at the end of every week, you know, we have a um, you got a, a solid hour discussion with the whole team, figure out what we're doing and what changed in the what, with regards to new policies or which talk about, you know, anything that's going on in the world, kind of like a, we, we call it our virtual happy hour. Um, so that's how we deal with it. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, the virtual happy hour, right? that's been going around, right? Like, uh, it's a good idea. Yeah, it is a good idea because you need that. Because part of like, you know, having a work environment is that you can de-stress with those people afterwards and like know them as people outside of work as well, right? Uh, it's so important. It's so important. I, I think like, yeah, connecting with personalities is 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 what enables good ideas to to exist you know and i think i think like for us you know the fridays are are that day to where you know things are a lot a lot more relaxed and and people just everyone feels like they can just you know talk openly so we wanted to continue that uh digitally this was the way to do it it's not the same but mm -hmm. it's what we got right now and you gotta make yeah. the best of it yeah, yeah, cool. So let's uh, dig into that. Like, how many? Uh, how big is your team? Yeah, so we're 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 a small team, which makes it which makes it a little bit easier than most. So we're uh, we're seven in all, um, but uh, we try and keep it. We try to function straight from the beginning uh, with with proper processes in place, so that you know when this does scale, uh, you know we're 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 quickly able to adapt. So that was kind of the process behind it. Yeah, but we're seven. Um, you know, we're three co-founders, all from you know, two from Montreal, uh, one's from Gatineau. So we're all all Quebecers. Uh, but yeah, so as it's not it's still very doable. Like we can absolutely manage um, that team abroad. Uh, you know, abroad uh, at home. It's not. Uh, it's, it wasn't too much of a a, a change for us. Yeah, um, I think. Like especially the smaller teams, the like entrepreneurial teams, we're used to this, right? We're used to working from home, have to make bootstrap and make do whatever resources we have. But uh, and for a lot of people, I mean, it's a lot of big companies, especially, it's weird to see them struggle because they are so yeah. well resourced. They were had so much time to prepare for, uh, you know, these kind of eventualities. They were so, but they were reluctant to change their times, right? There's so many bosses that I talked to that. Uh, or people who talk about their bosses being like so reluctant to let them work from home even, right? Because yeah. I don't trust you. You know, how do I know, you know, we're doing work. How do you know you're not being productive? But now, now that we're forced to, to kind of work from home and work from a collaborative environment where we kind of have to trust to get the work done, there's really no way of doing it properly, right? Oh, I, I think those type of companies are going to come out of this with a, with a whole other view of, of, of teleworking, you know, and, and the, they'll clearly see the benefits. Um, you know, I, I, I know a lot of big companies um, and, and, and the, even some co-founders of, of bigger startups that were successful. Uh, they were, a, a lot were actually, you know, very, very pro coming into the office and creating that environment, which it's, it is very important. But what this whole thing did was show people a whole other way of working, which can be equally as effective and probably more efficient, um, you know, depending on your team. So I think it, it, it is very interesting to see 
uh, like I'm, I'm excited to see how this is going to turn out when, when, you know, the offices do open up again. I, you know, I expect, uh, you know, a lot less business travel. I think people are realizing now that, you know, you can actually accomplish a lot uh, over a video call. And although, you know, this isn't new, uh, a lot of companies, like you mentioned, were reluctant to do it as they're forced to. This might become the new norm, which yep. has a lot of benefits, whether for the company in terms of uh, in terms of cash flow or even the environment. If we can if we can cut the amount of business travel, that that's super helpful. Uh, so we'll have to see. We'll have to see how things how things turn out. But we're we're lucky as, as a small startup like us. I think the biggest strength that we have is the fact that we can be super nimble and mm. ad adapting and iterating is, is an easy thing. It's something we do all the time anyway. So all this was, was an extension of that. And, um, you know, I, 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 I hope that a lot of the 10 to 20 person companies, the small companies, you know, like us, uh, you know, look at this situation as, um, you know, as, as, you know, they shouldn't be they shouldn't be scared to to take advantage of 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 this and to to maybe build something that they didn't think they would have built before to make sure their product is ironclad uh, to be speaking to their customers understanding everybody's needs because things might have shifted and you might have to change your product um, you know it's it's we did a lot of that too we we didn't have a choice so I think um, that's really it's really important that we have that strength and and um, let's let's we have this kind of lull period to really go at it and 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 come up with some great ideas some great initiatives and and yeah i think uh, we we had to do that we're still doing it every day wow so let's talk a little bit about that right like uh what were you guys doing before um and then we'll dive into what you're doing now right what were the companies what were you guys working on oops hello Twenty eighteen, uh, yeah. It's like yeah, you froze a little bit, right? Yeah, it was a little bit of a lag. Um, okay, it looks like looks like we're back. Okay, all right, yeah. So, um, yeah. So, look, uh, we started Check Please in, in twenty eighteen. Uh, so we were three co-founders, all engineers from McGill, and we were actually still in school when we started the company. And at that point. Uh, you know, we are actually celebrating the end of semester. Uh, so we, we, had, we had gone out, or a big group of people, or at a local bar in Montreal. And uh, as the night started to die down, uh, we were ready to leave. It was, it was time to go. And that night was done, and we just wanted to get out of there and go home. Uh, it's kind of where we started to see the, the, the friction associated with payments. So, uh, you know, the whole the whole billing process was a disaster. They brought us the bills the first time. They were completely incorrect to come back, uh, make changes to it. The process took a half hour, two or three Ubers come and go. Come and go. Uh, so the next morning we woke up and we started talking about, you know, how much of a pain that was. And we realized, you know what, um, you know, we can, there, there, there should be a better way of doing this. So we started to look more into the industry find out that you know for restaurants one very low margin industry very difficult uh restaurateurs are the strongest uh more, most dedicated people on the planet to get into that industry it, you know the odds are very against you it's hard to succeed um and 
you know, unfortunately, um, not not all uh, you know payments in general is 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 a big cost for them. So um, even the hardware associated with payments is something that um, we feel doesn't need to exist anymore. We've come to a place where we can we can really push past that. And so the more we start to speak about it, the more we realize we think we had something. We started to talk to restaurants, uh, managers, owners, wait staff, and realize there's a real friction point surrounding um, you know, the, uh, the payment process and, and, and an individual's payment experience. So in 2019, we graduated went full into it. Um, you know, we, we've been working on it ever since, developed our prototype, found our first few customers in the summer of 20, 2019, um, worked through the product, iterated with them. They really, you know, so like our first restaurant was Grumman 78 in, in St. Henry, Montreal. Um, mm-hmm. the, the owners there were super helpful in, in giving us that, um, that background that we needed to understand the restoration space and the complexities associated with operations in that type of business. Mm-hmm. So over the summer, developed the product, fine-tuned it, tested it. We were part of a, you know, we, we won the McGill Dobson Cup uh, in April. And then the summer we were part of the uh, McGill X1 Accelerator Program. Um, we were also part of a FinTech Accelerator Program called FinTech Cadence. And this really just helped us build a proper business that we thought made sense that had, you know, uh, that was, that was scalable. Um, and then at the same time, fine tune the, the app so that it, you know, it functions seamlessly for customers and restaurants and it just integrates into their workflow. That was really important for us. Uh, so then come uh, October, November of 2019, we launched in Montreal start to get traction. Um, our, our goal was really to push hard on restaurant acquisition uh, in February of 2020. So as you can imagine, things started to roll. Uh, you know, we, we, we hit about, you know, 15 restaurants on the platform, almost 800 users. Um, and then, and then everything stopped. Uh, come mm. March with COVID-19, um, you know, it, uh, it was we had, we had to we had to adjust because uh, in Montreal bars closed, restaurants closed, and uh, so our app, which essentially allows customers to pay split and pay their bill directly from their phone, so really never have to wait for the payment terminal. We integrate to a restaurant's point of sale system, so for the restaurateur, it's really there's almost no extra training required, and it really fits right into what they're already doing. Uh, you know we obviously rely on people going to restaurants, going to bars, being present and being a part of that experience. Uh, and right now, you know, that it was pretty much one day, everything stopped. So that kind of brings us to March where I feel like, I feel like my story is not, or our story rather is not, is not unique. You know, everybody kind of had to take a step back and go, all right, what the heck just happened? Um, and then, you know, especially us, where we rely on independent bars and restaurants, so smaller businesses, which were the most affected by this, uh, we were wondering, you know, is it, how is this industry going to look after this? There's a lot of questions, you know, it's a lot of noise. Uh, so we just, yeah, we had to sit down and really get, and really figure out what are our next steps? How are we going to, how are we going to, how are we going to help people in all this? Because, yeah, you know, there's no... The markets are out of whack. Like, there's no capital going around. Our businesses are just 
trying to figure out how to stay alive. So how, how can we, what can we do to provide them uh, with some type of tool or some type of technology that that's going to help them out because the app is not cutting it, you know, it's not, it's not, it's not going to be helpful to them uh, in its yeah. current state. So, yeah. I mean, I'm sure, I'm sure, you know, I, I'm sure other people you've interviewed to have all kind of did the same thing. Um, but for us in Montreal, you know, the restaurant space is such a, it's a labor of love. You know, it's, it's a, it's a passionate thing that they do. It, it's really, it, they put their heart and soul into this business and it takes a long time to get it to a point where you have, you know, regular stable income. And then all of a sudden, you know, the, the whole, everything you've built is, is, is on the edge of, of crashing. So it was really, uh, it was really, it was, it was a tough, you know, few weeks at the beginning, but then, you know, we realized we started talking to our partners more and more, started talking to other restaurant owners and we realized that, uh, that, that we can, we can really help them out. So I don't know if you want me to just continue and go through everything that we're doing. Um, no, that, that's great. So the, I wanted to guess a little bit like, from what you said, right? Like you just, a group of guys, uh, how many co-founders were there? Yeah. Sorry. So we're, we're, uh, we're three co-founders. Three co-founders, right? So you guys uh, came out of the University of McGraw, is it? Correct. Yeah. Right. And um, went to, spent the summer working with a restaurant, wanted to go into the fintech space within restaurants. You work with a restaurant player to understand how they work and how they function currently and what innovations can deploy. Exactly. Is that right? That's a hundred percent right. So that key thinking, I think that's so critical that uh, we just kind of blew past that. Not a lot of people do that to go into the hands of an end client work a deal is like, Hey, can I work within your environment and see what I can fix in there? You know, you're actually building something in a real world scenario. Most projects are built what in someone's basement, in, your, in, in you know your, your dorm room, or like in an innovation center somewhere when you're sitting there, yeah. so far removed. That's really cool that you guys did that. Where, what spurred on that thinking? Well, I think we we knew that if we came, if we approached the problem from purely an engineering standpoint, we're going to come up with a purely engineering solution, which means uh, like highly technical, probably not too user friendly, and the main thing is we don't have a background in restoration. Uh, none of us have ever worked in a restaurant before. Uh, Olivier yeah. did, he worked, he was a cook for a little bit uh, during university. Can you talk about why you chose the restaurant industry then if none of you guys worked there? Like well, we just saw the problem. Uh, from the end user perspective, it, it was really clear that there's a better way to do this. Could payment in bars and restaurants you know in so in Quebec you know you, you have to print this this receipt um, you know it has yeah, to be offered Ontario to you too. Ontario too but um, so we have something called the sales recording modules so it's a technology that's attached to every point of sale system um, and, and essentially um, so we had to find a way to work in, in that framework uh, but but just to say so first we we noticed from our friend user perspective that this is a serious problem, that there could be a much better way of doing it. And um, that was clear to us. Now, what wasn't clear is this is, is this a problem for restaurants? You know, if, if it seems so clear to us on a, on a customer perspective, how come, you know, every, every restaurant seems pretty complacent and, uh, you know, everyone has the same terminals and everyone does the same things and it, just seems okay if you have to wait 15 minutes for the bill on a busy night. It's just a 
just how it is. Um, what we were lucky enough that the that the owners of Grumman, you know, gave us the time um, to actually go into greater detail and tell us like, we do this because we have to, because there's no other solutions out there. And there are a hell of a lot of problems. Groups, you know, if you're a group of 20 and everyone has to pay, you're there for 20 minutes. Uh, everyone wants to pay their own bill. Uh, you know, it's, it's, it's a challenge and there's a lot of friction. And, you know, and they get bad reviews on, on, uh, on, on Google ratings, which is a main part of their business for things that are out of their control. You have four terminals and a hundred seats in the restaurant and two seatings. People tend to come and, and, and leave at the same time. So there's always this point where there's this, this is bottleneck that you can't really overcome. And the way to do that well is what if you had a payment terminal for every person in the restaurant? Um, you know, hence check please. So you know, put the payment terminal in your hands and give the end user uh, freedom and control. Can you, of the can you walk terms. us through the user flow? Like what, what exactly, what exactly the pain point you're going for and how do you guys solve it? What's, yep. what's, the, what's, the, what's there? Yeah, so uh, so to so to be clear, our main our main um, our main customers are sit down bars and restaurants. Uh, that's that's what we work on. It's kind of an area where uh, consumer technology, other than reservations, really hasn't uh, isn't the part of that experience. So we we wanted to find a way that we could uh, that we could be an integral part of the overall dining experience at sit down locations and bars as well. Um, so the main, so basically it's really simple. When you walk into a restaurant or a bar, um, you place your order with your server like you're used to doing. So our, the interaction with waitstaff is very important. Uh, waiters are essentially the salespeople of the restaurant. So they're trying to upsell you and, and that's very important for a restaurant's bottom line. So we wanted to ensure that that was always, um, always maintained or if, or if anything strengthened by, by our technology. Um, so after you you place uh, you place uh, your order with the server, you simply ask for the table number. Um, so it's really simple. Uh, whatever table number is associated to the to the point of sale system, you give that to the customer. It's usually 10, 15. They plug that into our app, and right away you're connected, and you can see everything that you've ordered in real time. It's actually everything the, the table is ordered, all separated into seats. So you can simply select the seat that pertains to you and pay. Or you can split the whole bill evenly. Um, you can split individual items like a, like a bottle of wine or a pitcher. And the whole point here is, you know, a lot of people say, well, doesn't the, the, don't the waiters do that for you? And what we've done is, well, how can the customer uh, help out and, and provide some relief, um, but in a way that's super easy and familiar? So it's really similar to, to splitting a, like an Uber. They send a, you send a request, they accept, and then uh, it's, it's as simple as that. So the whole process takes about 30 seconds. Um, you click pay, the payment goes through and you're done. And you can just walk out the door. If you're, it's, it's useful, right? Imagine you're going to, um, you're going to a Raptors game and uh, uh, you, know, you wanted to go out for dinner right before. It took a little bit longer to get the food, but you don't wanna, you, know, you, don't wanna, you still wanna enjoy your experience. So you're eating. And then you look at the time and damn, I gotta go. Um, it's usually at that point where, you know, every second counts and you still have to wait the same as everyone else in that bar or restaurant 
the hall has the same, they have the same thought process. Everyone yeah. is in the same boat. Um, so what this does is really provide an alternative um, for many different use cases, whether it be lunch, uh, sporting events, or just people who are, are irritable, you know, this is something for everybody. And we really think it's, the, it's just the natural progression. You know, we've seen digital payments become so popular. Um, essentially, this is just digital, connected digital payments. Um, it's just a step in the right direction. And I think in the future, you know, you're, I think even, even through, you know, how we met, you can see that, you know, other companies are starting to see that we can, we, there's a lot of work to be done here. And, uh, you know, the, the more people that do it, the better it is for all of us, because we're really going to start educating the, the consumer base and um, start pushing the industry in the right direction. So uh, this is this is kind of our thought process on it. You know, you pay and, and you walk out the door. Cool. No, uh, I like it. Um, it's super simple. Like one of the things I personally hate is like putting the wait, hand up, trying to wave down the waitress leader. Why like, do you have to over. do that? Why do you have to do that? Why does that exist, right? That that's yeah. the only reason that that exists is because it was is used to be a technical limitation, and now it just became a norm, uh, and and uh, it's it's the status quo, right? Not to not to sound too. So, it, what do you say to people who are like you know restaurant owners? Like, no, people come here for the experience. They come. We want to talk to people. Hundred percent, and and we we. So when we started this, our first concept was uh, you'll be able to do everything through an app, uh, order, pay, you know, and, and you know, wait staff or essentially glorified uh, bus people, right? And they just bring the food. Mm -hmm. uh, right away, at least restaurants and everyone we spoke to said that's a horrible idea because of the, how important that relationship is between the server and the customer. And I think most customers don't even realize the you know uh, when when a, when a when a waiter makes a recommendation for a bottle of wine or for a specific dish like you you tend to listen because they work there and they know what's yeah. good and what isn't and you, there's a level of trust that, that exists so if they say you know that the dessert that's on special right now you know you should really give it a shot and then you order it, well, that's a huge upsell because those are high, high margin items and that's what really makes it makes or break um, you know, like a good restaurant. Their staff is so important. So, like with one that, of the, yeah, go sorry, for one it. Of the thing, one of the main things that like I got to appreciate working with Tap Menu and talking with restaurant owners and waiters and waiters are, is that you tend to think of when you're a consumer, you tend to think of wait staff as like, oh, they're like waiting on you, they're bringing stuff to you. But from a business standpoint, and from a talent standpoint, and from a like a employee standpoint. They're salespeople. They're the touch. They're like when you go into a fashion or like a, a store or like you know any kind of like any kind of like a retail location, and people come to you and like you know ask you for your needs and figure out what you want and connect with you and get paid tips, aka commission, right? I mean, part of their validation and how they earn money is built into the experience they provide to you, right? Absolutely. So. It, by giving technology that better trend, help them transact with people, I mean that's just an evolution of that of that uh, that skill, right? I mean, naming a few point, pain points, it's like even just wait, like waving down your waiter or waitress, like, that's a negative experience itself. Most of the time, when you go to a restaurant, you kind of know what you want, or you want to talk to somebody, you want to ping them over. Exactly. 
that's a, that's a real power behind utilizing technology and the kind of sense for that experience. But um, with COVID and the pandemic right now, and restaurants and bars being shut down, right? That must have 100% drastically affected your pipeline and your plans and um, and the clients you work with, right? So yeah. what do you guys see? Look, for us to put everything on hold, um, you know, I, but what hit us hard was just talking to our, our partners and, and hearing, you know, the, hearing their state of mind and, and having a bit of access into what they're thinking about right now and the worries that they have. That was um, a real eye opener for, for the entire team. Um, to realize that this is this is serious. This 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 is this is a uh, you know make or break for a few businesses here. So uh, you know we we have an op we we're still together. We're we're you know financially comfortable. So how can we go ahead and uh, and and make the best of the situation for our partners and hopefully for other restaurants too in Montreal? And that unfortunately did not align with with what our app does and what, what our, our philosophy as a company was originally. But the beauty of being, you know, seven person companies, you can, you can change and you can adapt. So look what we did. First thing we did is uh, you, they need, they need some quick, they need some capital. Uh, restaurants, are, their cash flow totally stopped. Mm -hmm. So we started selling gift cards. Um, so basically through the application, so um, you can go on our website, purchase a gift card for a bunch of the restaurants that we have, and you'll be able to utilize that uh, by paying through check please in the future when it opens again. But the restaurant gets the cash right away. Um, wow. So that helps them, right? And, and that, that actually, believe it or not, that $50, $100 gift card makes a huge difference, um, you know, to, to allowing them to, to to survive and transition to that takeout and uh, delivery model that, that everybody's doing now. So that's something we did almost the, the week everything closed. We, we went ahead and, uh, and implemented that. And you know, it was great feedback. The Montreal community really rallied behind it. We were able to you know, sell like a few thousand dollars worth of gift cards in a week. Amazing. Um, yeah, we were we were happy about that. We were happy that we could we could provide that level of support in such a short amount of time. That was just mm -hmm. good thinking, you know, for the entire team. We you know, just got together and said, look, what can we do right now? That was an easy thing. Yeah. Um, so then step two is now okay. So what can we what can we do if if you give us a month? You know, what can we come up with? Uh, we started to see that uh, that that transition. That transition is a big, a bigger hurdle than we could have imagined. And a lot of restaurants were telling us that, and I quote them here, that this is an entirely different business. This is not the business we, we started with. It, now, now I have to change it. I'm, 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 I closed shop and I'm opening something else. Um, so they needed technology to do that. Didn't necessarily have any capital. Um, you know, to, to purchase what's already on the market. Although people are giving deals, um, so it's, it's still this commitment and there's strings attached. So what we did is actually went ahead and developed a online ordering platform that is 100% free uh, for any restaurant to use and um, just pay the credit card processing fees. Mm -hmm. And 
we've been distributing that around Montreal to, to and I mean, wow. really, it's anybody in Canada who wants to use it. Um, you know, essentially, you send us your menu, um, and we set it all up for you. We, we found we do it really quickly, and we get, basically give you a site to enable online ordering. A lot of restaurants in Montreal were taking over the phone. Yeah, so that was wow. th that's what we did straight. Uh, the first thing we you know we found some frameworks online, and we just we built it. And uh, yeah, we actually have like almost 15 restaurants on using it right now. It's every day we're getting more and more interest. And the beauty of it is, well, because it's only the payment processing, uh, which is a super small amount, if you do takeout um, and pick up orders from this platform for an online ordering site, as opposed to through, you know, Uber Eats or these other delivery platforms, yeah. you know, you're saving that, that 30, you know, 20, yeah, Uber Eats, uh, skip the dish, like 30%, 30% of what you're paying is going to them. That's a lot. It's like an app store. It's know, like, exactly, exactly. It, it's insanity, but, but they find the customer and they facilitate a lot of the difficult things that restaurants, you know, uh, individually would have trouble doing. So it's not that there's no value, but in, in this climate, what we're all having to deal with right now, uh, you know, every, every penny counts. It really is every penny counts. So, you know, fine for delivery, it's still a good option, but for pickup and takeout, having your own online ordering platform is a much more effective uh, way to maximize profits. I mean, how you need technically 30% less sales to, to, you know, to, to, and still, you know, be in, be in the green. So um, I think, I think that was really helpful. A lot of restaurants see the value in it. So we've been going ahead and just trying to spread the message that this exists. Mm -hmm. uh, you're not alone. Um, you know, there's, there's people here to help. I mean, if they can't figure out how to put a button on their website, we'll make them download team viewer and go ahead and do it for them. So mm -hmm. like at this point, it's, it's about how, it's about how can you help your, how can you help your industry? survive this so that you, know, you still have a business when it's all when it's all done and not to sound bleak because you know we restaurateurs are the most resilient people on the planet and they'll they'll come back stronger than ever you know when this is all done but uh you know we want to see as many success stories as possible if we can be a part of that then, then that's amazing better. that's amazing are you how do you make so if you're just charging this uh, the transaction fee how are you guys monetizing with this yeah, so we're uh, we're we're not really in the mindset of monetization, right? I think right. I think we were we were lucky uh, that we took fiscal responsibility very seriously from the beginning stages of the company. So we were never in a state where uh, you know we were we were worried, and we you know we raised a, a modest round. We were able to get a lot of funding from. Um, from different sources, whether it be from from McGill or from um, uh, other programs in Montreal, so and, and from the Quebec government as well. Uh, so th these type of things really helped us. And coming into this crisis, we were we were very comfortable. Um, so you know, right now we're we're able to provide this, knowing that we're doing the right thing, uh, which is important. Or you know, as a, as a young startup, it's not like we had made it yet, right? We were just building up our reputability in, in the restaurant space, which is, you know, how you have to start. 
um, yeah. technology in this industry. You have to build the relationships. You have to build the trust. So, I mean, essentially we're continuing to do that in a different way with the hopes that when everything comes back together, you know, we'd still continue pushing check please and, um, and, and creating that change that we want to see. But, I, you know, you, you got to pick and choose your, your timing uh, right now. It's, it's, you need to help. You, yeah. you just have to help everyone as best you can. And that'll yeah. you know, good, good things come around. And that's, that's how we see it. We think it, it just made sense. Yeah. No, I mean, I think uh, that's great what you're doing. Like uh, I was, I was kind of hoping you would say well, what you did because uh, we're finding a lot of these companies, early stage companies who, you know, are putting monetization out the window. It's a lot of people, a lot of entrepreneurs, people get recognized is that they go into a market wanting to solve a problem. And it's almost like you're forced to monetize in order to do so, right? To get, raise the money, to get the investor interest, to, you know, to, you know, to, to be able to pay the staff and to expand and do marketing. All this extra stuff gets piled on to your solving yeah. the problem, getting out the market. What's cool about what's happening right now with COVID-19 is kind of, it's, a, it's a catalyst for a whole new di dynamic of working and doing things. Because not that all gone out the window. Even investors I'm talking to are now funding projects not based off of ROI, but off impact. You know, because they know money's frozen right now, revenue's frozen up, no one's really spending. But if companies can still grow and manage to uh, deliver on impact, like you said, when the market recovers, these are the companies that the market remembers and actually can, they can monetize at that time. No, absolutely. Right. It's only going to benefit you as a company if you're, if you're going out there and, and creating that goodwill and creating the relationships and, and uh, you know, actually finding new customers during this whole thing through different mechanisms. It's only, it's only a huge benefit to you. And I can even tell you, well, just from the gift cards, when we started doing that, and that was only for our, our existing partners, we actually onboarded 10 new restaurants just from that. So we've continued to grow even throughout the times where our app is not functional because there's no place for it to be used um, in a climate where restaurants are, you know, in a state of disarray, we were still able to grow and, and, and continue, um, continue spreading positivity at the same time. So I think altogether it's, it's, um, it's, it's working out, but, Again, uh, we can't keep our eye off, off the ball in terms of uh, continuing to support the industry, support the restaurants that we work with, uh, because w without them, you know, we, can, we, don't, we, don't, we don't have anything. In Montreal, just like in Toronto, that, our culture is dependent on, on these businesses. That's really important part, important thing for us. Um, so, you know, we, we, we have to be there for them. That's, that's brilliant. That's amazing. So how can people help? How can people be part of this? Where can they find you? Awesome. Our website, uh, www.checkplease.ca. So chkplz.ca. Leave it to three engineers to pick a name with no vowels. Uh, but uh, hey, that's what it is. So uh, yeah, check out the website. Um, so we're doing a bunch of things, whether it be a gift cards. We even uh, started partnering with a few restaurants um, that you can actually donate food to frontline workers so you can oh, yeah. donate a pizza to um, to nursing staff at a hospital you can donate mac and cheese from one of our restaurants uh to 
you know, doctors at a different hospital. So that's where we also have that running. We've raised almost $2,000 um, for that as well. Um, that's a whole, that's simply just because uh, you know, the restaurant, or one of our restaurants, Kest, uh, they really, they had this idea that, uh, and how can we, how can we do support anyway? So that we had the technology side, they had the pizzas, we came together and said, uh, let's, let's, uh, let's launch that's this. Amazing. That's amazing. Yeah, good on you guys. Um, hope, uh, we're hoping to help any way we can. Um, and hopefully whoever listens here can uh, reach out and provide some assistance as well. But, uh, you know, Roboto, great on you and great, great on the team for what you guys are doing uh, post the, the, the pandemic. Well, we're still going through it, but during so the summer, longer. right? But um, yeah, we'll cut the episode here because I really like what we covered. Okay, Stick around perfect. for a few more minutes and we'll do a little debrief, okay? All right, awesome. Cool, man. See you guys.